Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Pray, Eric Scopel on the show. As always, today is Wednesday. And for the mailbag, we're kind of changing things up. Um, normally, we ask for your questions. We did get some questions. We are going to address those. But we also wanted to bring in your opinion into the 2021 Oregon football schedule that was released earlier this week. And we want to kind of just hear your thoughts. And then we will also sound off on if we agree with those ideas, if we disagree, if you're on to something, if you're crazy, if we're crazy. Uh, and, and shoot, maybe you, you convince us to change our, our opinions on some things. Uh, but we've got a ton of questions, a ton of comments. We're going to run through them all and kind of make sense of the 2021 Oregon football schedule. Yeah, Matt, we've got about a dozen here. And I think we're, what we've decided to do is read these in, in groups of three um, and then address the, the trio of questions. So there should be about four sections of this. I think some really good points. Um, we've done a fair amount of analysis on duckterritory.com. So if you have not seen that and you, and you want to listen to this podcast and then go kind of read some more of our thoughts, um, I posted on Tuesday, shortly after the reveal, um, the ranking of the toughest games of the season to the week, to the week, you know, to the easier games. And then this morning on Wednesday, uh, put together the, the kind of a couple of items I like, a couple of items I don't like. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on a couple of them and probably, probably most of them, I guess, during this. I think some of the, some of the comments here uh, address them, but just wanted to give those listening an opportunity to go read a little bit more of our content on duckterritory.com. Some of that content is free, some of it's a VIP. Um, I guess we'll just quickly remind you that it, it's always great to sign up for the VIP subscription, provides you a little bit more content, a little bit more understanding behind the, behind the scenes what's going on. So if you're not a member already, take advantage of that. We'll have numerous offers upcoming. Um, and, and for those listening, probably have already heard a couple of those prompts in the past. So let's start with our first trio of questions from at Eric J. Hovland. The last month of the season will be tough. Also wish the bye week came in later this season. Um, at GoDucks85, playing at Utah the week after UW in late November has trap game written all over it. And at B Foken, I have season tickets for the first time since Chip's first year, rolled over from last season, but the home schedule is pretty weak. No real marquee games to look forward to. Thoughts on the best home game? So let's roll through these in order of when I read them. And I actually, I, I, I'm in agreement with, with what all three of these are kind of getting at here. I agree. The last month of the season and the last month for those, Extremely people, tough. it's really tough. And this is what it is. They play at Washington on the 6th of November, then host Washington state. That's always tough. You know, I, you know, it's, and I know the changes at head coach, but there's still, there's something with this Oregon Washington state right kind of rivalry that's developed recently that has always made those games tough. So I don't expect that to be like a walkover game. And then at Utah, November 20th, boof, that's going to be a, a grind right there. And then they close it. November 27th against the Beavers at home. And I think that would be the game you'd probably point to most years and say, well, there's your kind of easier game, quote unquote. The Beavers haven't been particularly competitive. But the last two years, these games have been down to the wire. Oregon won the game in 2019 by a couple scores, but they needed a late Cyrus to be touchdown to put it away. And then last year's game, obviously they lose. So um, I agree. I mean, this last four games, the last month of this of the season is like, our, 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 I would say, without doubt, the, the, the toughest four-game stretch of the season is the last four games of the season. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think you like in terms of maybe getting you ready for postseason play. You have to play all the top teams. But in terms of winning a conference championship, it's probably not ideal to, to kind of close things out that way. I look at this, and, you know, I, I think the Washington State game is sneaky. The Utah game is sneaky. Mm -hmm. The UCLA game is sneaky. Um, all three of those will be tough and difficult games for Oregon when normally I think you might look over it. As for the whole slate of games at home, yeah, it kind of stinks. Like, uh, it, it, am I wrong that Fresno State week one might be like the marquee game? I think obviously Oregon State will be a big game, especially because they beat Oregon last year. Um, and Duck Fan and the program will want to strike revenge. But from – a team that's just like no offense, even though Oregon state won, like the two teams talent gap is not, it's, it's huge. Like, and I almost kind of think 
Fresno State may be just an overall better program right now than Oregon State. Am I crazy to think that Fresno State might be your best game of the year at home? Aside, like throw out the rivalry aspect, throw out what happened the year before. Like, I kind of wonder is is Fresno State week one your best home game of the year? Which kind of stinks if that's the case. I uh, I still look at like Colorado and Cal as being. I mean, you know, you can say it's Cal and and Oregon State, regardless of what talent disparity. Those are two teams that just beat Oregon. And Colorado is a team that was the real surprise of the Pac-12 last year. And and really, you know, I think in a traditional season, it would be interesting to see if they, you know, how things would have played out. Would they have really been competing like they were? But, like, they were in the heart of the Pac-12 South chase until the very end. And they bring back the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year and Jarek Broussard, Sam Neuer, the quarterback, actually a Beaverton native. Um, we'll be back to lead the offense as well. Um, I think they lose a couple of their top defensive guys, but I look at the Buffaloes and like, it's, it, it, I think the thing that's hard here is like to suggest that Colorado on October 30th, at the Halloween game is like your big marquee home game. That Like Colorado is one of the least sexy names in college football, especially the Pac-12. It's, like that's it, kind it, of a hard fans stuff. aren't clamoring over themselves to get Colorado tickets. No, no offense like, to the Buffs. Exactly. And like the only way that one really is probably a much – interest is if both teams are like you know one or two losses and, and have played really well and I, I i really don't have colorado's probably the hardest team to kind of assess because what do we make of 2020 there's so many weird oddities i think a couple of the teams they played they played coming off of like either the team had been on pause or had players out etc and it's kind of like i don't know exactly what to make of colorado um but that, that would be the game i'd point to along with cal just because i think oregon and cal continue to kind of have a, a pretty good back and forth. The staff stuff is interesting, but you're right in terms of like, you look at the schedule and it is missing the Washington, the USC, um, the Arizona state or Utah, even like that kind of marquee crossover game. Like I, I agree, like, because the best, I mean, sadly, the, the, you know, they play five pack 12 home games, but the only pack 12 South game, that they play at home that's of any consequences against Colorado. I mean, Arizona is is probably going to be – they might win one or two games all season. They, they're going to be pretty bad. So I, I agree with that assessment in terms of the home games. Um, I'll also touch point on just Eric, the first one's comment here. Uh, Eric Hovland just saying, I wish the bye week was later. Totally agree. I think that would help. Um, you know, you play five games and then you'd take a break probably prefer to have that game maybe after like the UCLA game. I, I also think like – I loved in 2019 the fact that you had two, you know, you had two bye weeks. They had one after Stanford and they had one after USC. So they got through their kind of first five games, similar, actually, very, I think, I think identical schedule in terms of the first bye week was right around October 9th or right around after five games. Back in 2019, they played their non conference slate. They played a couple conference games. Maybe Stanford was the first conference game. I think it was. But then they played the majority of their tough stretch in between, had a bye week, then played their final three. I'd like to see another bye week in here, but. That's maybe being a little, little bit picky. 2019's two bye weeks was in part because of just how the calendar shook out. Yeah. Um, there was an extra Saturday during the football season. But I'm with you. Like I, I do think um, college football should be spread out a little bit more. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed. This is kind of going really down the tangent here. Um, but I really would not be opposed if instead of starting the season the first September of or first Saturday in September, which this year is the fourth, like I wouldn't be opposed to making zero week, like August 21st. That's the second, the last Saturday and the regular season starting for everybody, September 28th. And that way, and I'm not talking add in more games, you add more buys, add, you know, add one more bye week. So every, every team gets two buys during the season, because I, I want to see in November, the team, I understand injuries are going to happen and season injuries are going to happen for teams, but I want to see teams be at their best at the end of the year. And it's not a, a, a battle of attrition who has the best depth. Like that's part of it, but I, I don't want to see teams and, and playoff races and, and teams fighting for division championships be straddled with injuries and it's who, who has the ability to best recruit the depth because that eliminates so many other teams. I want 
each team to be at, at their best possible strength at the end of the year. And I think adding an extra week of a buy where you can't add a game can ensure that these teams are healthier at towards the end of the year. So I, I'm with you kind of going down the path of figuring out a way to get an extra buy into the season. Yeah, I'd like to see them just adopt two bye weeks and make that the way it works. You have one in like late September, early October, and then another one kind of maybe sometime early November to, to sort of split up the season. Cause I, I, and maybe, maybe part of it is 2019 was a season where Oregon had a lot of success and those two bye weeks helped. But I just look at that and think the way this season is, is kind of constructed from a schedule perspective for Oregon and the way it breaks out, it's like you have seven straight weeks at the end there, plus an eighth potentially in a conference championship game. That's like eight, that's two straight months without a break. Um, and playing probably arguably like seven of your nine toughest games of the season um, during that stretch. So like, I think that's that's a tough stretch there. And, and I think I'd love to see a, a bye week that'll break it up. All right, next trio from at Be The Duck. The heavy lifting is definitely at the end of the season. Better stay healthy. Something we literally just addressed. At Gary Conklin, who knew Stony Brook had a football team? Uh, and at Sports Mix <laughs> 21, <laughs> a subtle, not too subtle jab from Gary. Um, at Sports Vince 21, I just want to know how the Ohio State game at Autzen is being rectified since it appears the Ducks are still going there. Um, we kind of addressed the first part about the heavy lifting at the back end. We won't do that. I think the point here from Gary, which I, I, you know what? I will be honest, Matt. I didn't either. I didn't know Stony Brook had a football team, um, honestly, until looking at the schedule a, a little bit ago, maybe, maybe last year or a couple of years ago when, when it was kind of the non-conference was finalized. The funny thing with Stony Brook, I think we mentioned it on Wednesday, so I don't want to belabor it too much for those that missed it. They're actually starting a – they play two football seasons this year. They're playing yeah. – their first game on March 6th. So in about three or four days from now, they're going to be playing a – starting a six-game conference-only season in the Colonial, which is a bunch of kind of um, smaller East Coast FCS teams. Okay, uh, tell me – tell me <laughs> – these are their opponents. Tell me if you knew they had football teams or not. Okay. So we didn't even – you didn't even know Stony Brook had a football team. I, I couldn't tell you the mascot. Do you know the mascot? Oh, I just looked at this the other day. It's uh, it's it's not the Seahawks, but it's something like that, right? What the is sea it? Wolves. Sea Wolves. Yeah, and it was something like that. It's like we're on the ocean, but we want to be fierce, so we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> mix the ocean with wolves. Uh, they take on Villanova on Saturday. This Saturday. Uh, they they take on Delaware. Did you know Delaware had a football team? No idea. Uh, the, and then the following week, March 20th, they play Maine. Did not yep. know Maine had a football team. Stony Brook plays Albany on March 27th. And this is not Albany in between Salem and Eugene. This is Albany, New York. Uh, did not know Albany had a football team. Well, 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 I kind of, I kind of wish it was the the, the team in, in Oregon. I mean, that would be. Uh, that would <laughs> I don't be even think there's a college in, in Albany, Oregon named Albany. Uh, I mean, there's even a college in Albany, is there? I mean, maybe a community college or a satellite for Oregon satellite State. campus or something. Yeah, but there's not a school there. <laughs> uh, and then Stony Brook on April 10th, they they had a bye week. They get a bye. They then play New Hampshire. We did know New Hampshire had a football team, uh, and if you did not know, dear God. How do you not know that? That's, I mean, that's where Chip Kelly came that's, from. That's the origins of this whole run almost, yeah. And then uh, they end the season with a game against Rhode Island, the Roadies. I did not know Rhode Island had a football team. I only knew of Rhode Island because that's where the Hurley, uh, one of, Dan, I think it's Dan Hurley, uh, coached. And Oregon played them, I believe, on the run to the Final Four. Um but yes, Rhode Island has a football team as well. So t- two seasons. Uh, we'll, we'll be curious to see Colonial Athletic Association. I'd never even heard of that. Um, it, it, it's certainly a game, Eric, where no offense to the Sea Wolves, that just strikes fear in my eyes, uh, that if Oregon does not win this game by four touchdowns, it's a disappointment. Oh, a million percent. This is like your ultimate mop-up game. This is the game that, Oregon didn't have in 2020 and and I guess in 2019 they did play what was it Portland State or Montana I forget which Um, so they had they typically do have one of these sort of FCS games which are kind of the easier easier schedules and I don't I don't mind actually you know the construction of this of it's not your season opener you start with a little bit more difficult opponent like Fresno State then you play Ohio State which is going to be a grind 
Um, and then before non or sorry, before conference play starts, you play the easiest team on your schedule in Stony Brook. And by the way, like Stony Brook was bad in the colonial, like they were like 11th in 2019 in that conference. So this is, this is a, one of the weaker teams. It'd be interesting to see how they perform in their, uh, in their league this year, but yeah, this is going to be a tougher op- opponent or a, an easier opponent for Oregon than they probably get most years. And um, I agree, this is when they should win handily. And then I think we should at least address like the point here from at Sports Vince regarding like is anything taking like will Otson Stadium ever host Ohio State? Um, and no, not in this rea- current agreement. I don't think exactly. And I think that sucks. Like honestly, and I I added that to my. It was one of the things I wrote about that I don't like on the schedule is like, I love the fact that Oregon is playing Ohio state just from like, Hey, you're getting a marquee game. You're going to be, I mean, that's going to be college game day maybe for that. I mean, there's going to be a ton of eyes and a ton of attention in Columbus for that, but it would really be great to have had this game played at Austin stadium so that the attention could be in Eugene um, or even at a neutral site, because this was supposed to be a home and home. And instead it's just a home game for Ohio state. That sucks. I mean, this is another one of those COVID-related things where it's just out of your control, but I can't help but I, – I, I totally agree with Vince here. I, I can't help but think it would be awesome to have a game at some point where there's a return trip from Ohio State, and the fact that it's not going to be this year kind of stinks, and the fact that it's probably not going to be until like mid-2030s or something. What also- they need to do is they need to say, look, we're not com- – Oregon needs to come out and say, look, we're not coming to Columbus. If we're playing, we're playing this in a neutral site game in 2021. That could be Las Vegas. We could break out the the inaugural game in the Allegiant Stadium with fans for the Pac-12. Uh, we, we could meet in Dallas. We, we could meet in Indianapolis. Uh, we, we can keep meeting in Kansas City or, or somewhere. We're not going to Columbus. And instead, uh, we'll add you on to our, our, you know, in the 30s, you know, 2034, whatever it is that, that Oregon has an available date, Ohio State follows up the next year with a home game and they just basically slide it back hey let's play three times we'll play once now in 2021 at a neutral site so it's fair for each of us and then we'll push back the home and home down the road and kick the can and unfortunately that that's what needs to happen because i think my biggest fear is is oregon goes to ohio state plays a one-off and then just you know in 15 years ohio says yeah you know we don't really feel like playing you guys now like sorry yeah, no, I, I, I think I, – I just th- – th- th- again, as a COVID, it's a COVID-related instance here where it – just another one of those COVID things that really sucks where this felt like it was supposed to be – it's like it was supposed to be the big one and, uh, and, and they didn't get it. So I, I, I think – I think it, it just stinks. I don't know. There's not much else to say. And I, I, I have – I'm very skeptical that there's ever – within the next decade that Oregon and, and uh, Ohio state play in Eugene. I just, I don't expect that to happen. All right. Next couple here from at fables, 1985, this touches on what we we're just talking about. Since the Ohio state return game is in limbo, I had hoped Rob Mullins would have negotiated a move of t- for the 2021 game against the Buckeyes to Las Vegas. Something Matt just suggested um, at tall Tunici 33 would have preferred to have the buy later in the season. And then from at MVH Genetics, when do the Ducks start playing Ty Thompson at quarterback? And do they play only? They only play him for four games. Is the is the prior question at all predicated on AB's play? Um, let's start with AB Anthony Brown. AB's being Anthony Brown. Let's start kind of with I, I don't not to belabor, but we just touched on it here. The the point that Fables made about moving to Las Vegas. Um, I think if it's not in 2021 and I know, I mean, this is the thing with college scheduling that stinks is that these are done so far in advance. And <laughs> we now have evidence that you can schedule games right like a week away. Like you can schedule games four days apart. You know what I mean? Like we saw that in 2020, like games were postponed and teams had to scramble and they figured it out. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we talk, I think, I think we've mentioned this before, but like I'm of the belief that like, I don't know if you need, I don't know if you need to uh, schedule these things six to eight to 10 years out like this. And like, for me, I I would much rather have a little flexibility here and try to get something in Las Vegas against a marquee team within the next, the next couple of years. And I don't know if we're going to get that and probably we won't. Um, Certainly the Ohio state element of trying to get that to Las Vegas. (sighs) 
I, I, I just think the Pac-12 needs to take advantage of this, and I think it's tough because of the way the scheduling takes place to actually get this situated. I don't expect that. Like, Matt, realistically, when's the next time you think Oregon can play in Las Vegas? Like six to eight years, maybe more? Be it past this year? Yeah. 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 It's for, not for a non-conference game. It's not going to happen, right? Yeah. It's going to be a while. It's going to be a minute. All right. Um, to we, We've already addressed the bye week element there uh, a second ago, so I won't belabor that one. From at MVH Genetics, the question about Ty Thompson and at quarterback. I, I it's just I, I I know this is like the hot topic right now is Ty Thompson and at quarterback. Like four games is is like you know and, and like maybe here's what it is 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 if we think there's going to be a quarterback change made, it's probably made after the Stanford game. Maybe right, right. is your bye week? It sets you up for the seven game final stretch of the season. Um. I also just like hesitate to say that like defi- with any definitive confidence that I just know for a fact that Ty Thompson is going to end up starting any point in 2021. Like I think we all kind of feel like that's a distinct possibility because of how talented he is and what we've heard from just kind of the confidence around the program and, and the issues that Oregon had at quarterback in 2020. You want to get this guy who comes in and is electric and is your like long-term guy. Like, I'm also just not going to be completely stunned if it takes him a year and he doesn't start a game in 2021 and it's Anthony Brown all season. And so, so the question here of is the prior uh, – or the question here about is it predicated on Anthony Brown's play? Like I think 100% Ty Thompson's ability to play right away or his opportunity to play right away is going to be determined on how well Anthony Brown plays. Like if, I, I don't think you throw Ty Thompson into the lineup unless Anthony Brown's having a hard time. Um, and so, like, I, I look at this and think, like, yeah, 100%. And, and the question about did they play him only the four games, like, probably in a perfect world, that's what you do in terms of, like, hey, that, per, per, you know, preserves the redshirt year. I also look at Ty Thompson and think if he's as good as everybody's making him out to be, is he even going to be in the program for, like, does it even matter? Right. Like, is it just a thing where he just he plays his three or four years and he goes pro and he doesn't need that additional year? That that's the ultimate question is if, if he's as good as we think he is and as good as the fan base is making him out to be, he's not going to be here for four years. Like, so a red shirt is, is useless. Really? There's no, there's no point in doing a red shirt. Um, get him on the field for a little bit of, of time and get him rested and, and get him some experience when you can. And then, you know, roll with him for the two or three years that he's going to be the starter. Because if you redshirt him and he doesn't play at all, like he doesn't get any snaps, and then he's gone as a redshirt sophomore, like he just wasted a year of where he could have, you know, helped you in a game with an injury or you could have helped develop him a little bit further along for that next year when he becomes the starter. So, yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I – like, if he's going to play and he's going to play consistently and you think he's definitively your, like if Anthony Brown is your starter and you feel really confident about that for 2021, but at the same time, you also feel confident that Ty Thompson is your starter in 2022 and 2023, you play him as much as you can in 2021. And, and who cares if it's, if it's one series, a game and he plays in eight games, but he hardly, you know, he still gets eight games worth of action and he's better prepared for 2021 or excuse me for 2022 and then potentially be gone in in 2023. Yeah. I think that's the hard part here is if you really think he's that good, I don't see why you redshirt him, but if you think, Hey, he would be somebody who might stick around for four years or Hey, five years, like then you do. But I, I, and again, I I think all of this is going to be predicated on Anthony Brown. I really do. I, I think you go into the season hoping that your veteran grad transfer senior who is you know half a decade older than a lot of these guys he's competing against that he's ready to do this that he's your guy and that he provides you with again kind of a bridge season to whatever the next batch of you know whoever the next guy is the long-term guy is and I think that's the hope that's the goal and if and if and and again there's also a best case scenario or, or, or a really positive scenario where Hey, somebody jumps in and is just ready right away and outplays Brown, and that's a good thing too. But I think in a perfect world, I guess in a perfect world, maybe you just have Ty Thompson assume the job right away, and he's just amazing, and, and you get you know who your quarterback is for the next four years right away, and, and everything is just peachy keen, and you feel great. But like I think the most you know like a, a more realistic best case scenario is Anthony Brown is your quarterback in twenty twenty one and in twenty twenty two. 
you know, and, and during 2021, Thompson or Butterfield or Ashford kind of presents himself as the clear next guy. And that guy plays four games, maybe more than that, gets some series, gets some experience. And then you turn to 2022 with a clear idea what the long-term goal of the, the quarterback position is. That's what makes 2021, I think, sort of interesting from a quarterback perspective is you've got both the short and long-term things to consider um, this season at quarterback. And that's what makes this competition so interesting. All right. Final th three questions here from at Vegas duck. 0657. was Stony book really the best option for an OOC game. Rather they come to Vegas and beat up on Marcus Arroyo. All right. <laughs> so somebody, somebody's still holding a little resentment from that uh, for uh, the next one at Achille Heisman for Heisman. Um, would you rather beat Ohio state and lose two close games to Washington and Oregon state or get blown out by Ohio state and beat Washington and Oregon state hashtag odds and audibles. And then hashtag not synodibles. I don't know. That's a new hashtag that we're apparently trying here. I don't know if that sounds like it's maybe not like a very <laughs> positive one, but we'll roll with it. We piss you off. We're, we're not, we're the not synodibles now. Uh, thanks for that, Akili. And then uh, last one here, which was a late edition, but I think we're both, this is probably the most fun question that we've got from at East coast underscore duck 2021 road trip to Columbus, Ohio, tentatively Palo Alto, Los Angeles, Seattle, and Salt Lake city. Food questions, best food city. Is there a restaurant, barbecue spot, dive bar, et cetera, you're itching to revisit or hit up for the first time um, during the 2021 schedule? Hashtag Ots and Audibles. Um, all right. <laughs> this, this is a fun group to, to, to finish with here. Um, from To Vegas' question about uh, Stony Brook in terms of what was that the best they could do. We addressed this a second ago. They schedule these things pretty far out in advance, and yeah. I don't actually know off the top of my head, Matt might, when this game was like put on the docket. But I'm guessing it was like it was certainly before Anth or, sorry, it was certainly before Marcus Arroyo left Vegas. So like that Vegas thing wasn't really a possibility. Um, I I actually would also be really curious to see what this may be a question to ask Coach Cristobal down the down down the line here is. Does he like the idea of scheduling games against former assistants who are now head coaches? Right. Like, would he like? Would he care to play UNLV or Boise State now that Andy Avalos is is the uh, the Broncos co Broncos coach? Um. So like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's something he's interested. In. I know some coaches like that idea of of hey, like. I kind know of Saban would be a, Saban has been on record saying he would be in favor of. Uh, eliminating FBS versus FCS games. It's just that he does it because everyone else in the conference does it. And he's not one. Now you could believe him or not, but he said, he's not like, if, if they're going to have an advantage, I'm not going to put myself at a disadvantage. Now you can believe that or not, but he's gone on record saying they shouldn't be played. And I, I think that part is fair with the Stony Book element of things of like, I think, I think, you know, here's the reality, Matt, is that, there is already an uneven playing field for FBS non-Power 5 teams. A way to replicate, sorry, not replicate, but a way to kind of fix that a little would be to give them more opportunities against the big boys and to have them play rather than, I, I, don't, I don't know how all their, their schedules are constructed, but if, if it wasn't Stony Brook and let's say Oregon did play Fresno State and UNLV this year, that would give the Mountain West two more opportunities to kind of have marquee games even if they lose the games those are more it's more impressive to, i mean straight up it's more impressive to lose a game to oregon than it probably is to go out um and beat a lesser fbs team to a certain extent so like i actually think that could be better for all parties involved is if you say hey fcs you're just going to play each other there's enough power non-power five teams in the fbs that that we can manage this and just have that replace these sort of pseudo mop-up games that just don't that, that very rarely are competitive and when they are it hurts the school that schedules them like i think it hurts more to play and like somehow lose to stony brook than it would to lose to unlv yeah um, in theory so i don't I I think would, so. go ahead i would love to see the ncaa figure out a way where the fcs teams could play the fbs teams in the spring like Maybe you play one spring game and it's and it's it's a game, but you use air quotes and it's treated more like a scrimmage, um, like a true spring game is. Where that's it. I like this. Yeah, you get some ones versus some ones, but then you also you know, you know the coaches also agree. Hey, for the second quarter, you know we're going to play our second string. You're going to play your second string, and then for the third quarter, we're going to play 
our third string and you can play who, you know, from the FBS level and, and you can play whoever you want in, in that third quarter. And then in the fourth, let's ensure that it's, you know, the walk on and, and the, you know, the, the third string guys getting a lot of the game reps um, that way you get some development and, and sure when it's one versus one, like, you know, if it's Oregon versus Stony Brook, one versus one, the Ducks should dominate, you know, but I, I would think that, you know, when it gets further into the game and you're working on certain situations that the spring, you know, the FCS team can be competitive and it, and they can get a lot out of it. They can get a big paycheck, you know, out of that. Um, now some schools will argue like, Hey, we play two or three FBS teams a year to get huge paydays. And now you're only giving us one. How do we make up that money? I don't know, but I would much rather see those games played then uh, and then on the, on the flip side, it's just FBS versus FBS during the regular season. Yeah, actually, you know, I hadn't considered the fact that that, that would really, really negatively impact the FCS school's bottom line. Yeah, um, you're right. Those schools play those games for the paycheck. That's why they're played. And if you were to remove those, I, I, obviously I don't know exactly what the ripple effect would be, but like I would imagine that would really make things difficult on those programs to like even stay. I mean, I'm sure that the, right now, especially to even stay kind of um, – not even competitive, but just to stay in business if you were to take some of those games away. So, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm guessing you probably make more from a Saturday where you're playing um, a power five, you know, Sony probably makes more money just from playing Oregon than it does from half its remaining schedule um, over the course of a season. Maybe, maybe an FBS team can only play one spring game, but an FCS team can play two. There you go. There you you go. know, the FCS gets, the FCS gets 20 days of practice instead of 15. Wouldn't, wouldn't it? I mean, wouldn't it be kind of cool to have like a three-game FC, like the like the Oregon plays like Montana, Portland State, and Montana State or something like that for three games in in April, and that is like kind of replaces spring football. You kind of have like a spring season that that doesn't count towards you know whatever happens for the post postseason, but at least you get these kind of there's scrimmages and, and 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 maybe maybe I don't know maybe maybe they somehow factor into something, but maybe it probably shouldn't. But I just think it'd be cool to kind of, I, I like this kind of turn of thought here of, of kind of mixing up what you do in spring because it's become, it's been this way for so long. And I, I think there is something kind of attractive to me, at least about the possibility of incorporating a little bit of a, a change in how spring operates. I just don't think like I'm with you. It'd be cool to have three games. Um, I just don't think from a fan base perspective, Oregon's fans in April and May or whenever they would play these games, I don't think they come out in droves for three weeks of Montana, Montana state, Portland state. I think they would for one. I think you would probably get a good chunk for a second one. Um, but at that point, look, if this is Alabama, yeah, they'll do that. But we're normal out here in <laughs> Northwest and, yeah. and, and in April and in May, the sun is out. The weather has turned. It's gotten good. And we've been stuck inside all, all day for, for months. We want to go to the coast. We want to go hike. We want to go play golf. We want to go play, you know, toss the Frisbee. We, we want to go do things. Uh, and we're not going to just sit every, you know, three weeks in a row to go and watch Oregon play Montana, Montana State, and Portland State. So I, I think three is probably too much. But you could probably get away with two, probably. You probably could get 25,000, 30,000 fans at Austin stadium for two weeks, you know, and you have a, a, a buy in between to get those, you know, fans in, or maybe I am crazy. And the fan base here is obsessed with Oregon football to the point where they would pack 40,000, 35,000 fans three weeks in a row in the spring. If, if some, someone get this to Rob Mullins, this is what they should do. They should, this is a way to find a little extra coin is just to play as to play just a, a couple additional spring scrimmages against teams from the area. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I don't know how viable it is and I don't know what the contracts would be like, and maybe there's something they've talked about and it just doesn't work. But I, I do think there is something kind of interesting about trying to schedule something in the spring. That's not just, a, a, you know, a Oregon green versus Oregon yellow, which is fun, but add something add a little something to it all right last couple here we've already read the questions here a reminder on what Achilles asked would you rather beat ohio state and lose two close games to washington and oregon state or get blown out by ohio state and beat washington and oregon state i'm taking the second option here because if you beat washington and oregon state you're probably winning the conference um like presumably um you know i guess you could still lose it but you'd have the tiebreaker against washington and oregon state and the cal's probably the other team in the north that and maybe stanford this year that really matters 
Um, and so I guess you'd have to kind of also kind of have an idea of how those other games went, but um, it doesn't help to get blown out by Ohio state. And I think that would really hurt the brand from like a, a national perspective. Like that just doesn't look good. I think, I mean, I think even the way they played Auburn a couple of years ago was that really helped that, that gave them that, that I know Auburn wasn't the best team in the sec. Heck they probably were like the fifth or sixth best team that year. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're a little better than that. Maybe fourth or fifth, but it provided a little bit of credibility that Oregon was able to probably should have won that game in Dallas. I and mean, not probably, they should have won that game. They, they made too many mistakes. They got beat on kind of a couple of lucky plays at the end of the game, a couple of breaks that didn't go their way, but like that was impressive. I think getting the doors blown out by the doors blown off by Ohio state doesn't look good, but like at the same time, I'd much rather just go beat Washington and Oregon state and win the conference. Because if you were to say like the other scenario of beating Ohio state, which is great, well, you kind of nullify that by losing two close games to Washington and Oregon State because you then are basically completely out of the conference championship race. Um, if yeah, you, lose those, would, you lose those games, it's like you can't win. You're not winning the conference. I'd, I'd rather get, you know, like a, a 49 to, to 17 or 49 21 loss to Ohio State week two of the season and then proceed to win out the league and you finish the year 11 and 1. You win your Pac-12 conference championship game. Now you're playing in the Rose Bowl, or if maybe it's the Fiesta Bowl, depending on where the playoff is. And now you have a chance at at redemption, whether it's against Ohio State uh, in a rematch or another team from the Big Ten in the Rose Bowl game or, or an, an at-large team in the Fiesta Bowl and who's good. And if you win that, you kind of just kind of just crossed out that that blowout loss. You, you you got the redemption there, and you won the conference. No, so I, I'm with you there. Like I, I would rather get the, I would rather have the loss than, and run through the league than, than get the early season win and waste it. And then, 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 then the, just the ripple effect locally is Oregon State has now beaten Oregon in two consecutive years. That totally changes kind of the the dynamic locally. Losing to Washington is, I think, more acceptable just because the Huskies are a more respected program. But like you, that's another one where there's a lot of bragging rights and and hey, you know, I think if like there's a scenario here where like I, I well, it's never going to be fully rectified. Washington fans probably are going to talk about it for decades. The fact that they were division champions in 2020 and Oregon actually won the conference and they didn't get a play and, the, and then blah, 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 blah. Um, to turn around in 2021 and lose to Washington after that would, would not, would not help matters, you know, would not help matters in terms of just the chatter from the, what the rivalry would not help matters from a recruiting front of Washington still touts itself as, as being the program that develops talent and wins on the field. And Oregon is the kind of, you know, the flat flashy recruiters that don't win football games. And of course you could look at the results on the field the last three years and could pretty clearly point to there's some, that that's not accurate, but um, I, I, th- I think there's a lot of negative implications locally for, for losing to those two programs. I think especially Oregon state, like losing to Oregon state in consecutive years, frankly, should not should not happen. It's not acceptable. I mean, I'd probably think a little bit more highly of Oregon State than that Matt spoke of earlier when he said that he thinks Fresno State might be kind of on par a little better than them. I don't know if I agree with that, but like Ohio State's not on Oregon's level at all. You look at the recruiting rankings, you look at the marketing, you look at what these programs mean nationally. Like losing to the Beavers in two consecutive seasons, that would be a really tough one to swallow. All right, let's finish here with at East Coast Ducks question. And I know I'm probably going to just toss this right to Matt because when we go on road trips, this is, <laughs> you're the one who always ha- – you always have the bar- – like you have like three barbecue spots picked out and we always go to one or two of them. Columbus, you Ohio – You have a say in that matter. Like it's like – I, I apologize, but I also 100% acknowledge like I just say, hey, we're going here for, for lunch or for dinner. And you're just like, all right, cool. I, I, sounds good to me. I'm extremely, uh, I, I roll well. And the other thing is Matt has, uh, has a really good track record of picking good spots. So if you were picking like terrible places over and over <laughs> again, you'd probably get more pushback. But the fact that we got these awesome barbecue spots, it's pretty easy for me to just kind of hand the reins over. Um, let's just run through those places. And if there's a spot that stands out, do you have, have you ever been, I've never been to Columbus, Ohio. So I have no, no idea. Is there anything, have you done any early research on spots? I have not done early research, um, but I do know, that there are from reputation, there's lots of good barbecue up and down uh, the state of Ohio. So I, I had good barbecue in Cincinnati, which is a couple hours from there. 
Um, so I, I've got family in Ohio, Eric. So we've got some boots on the ground that could do some research Ooh. for us. Oh, that, that helps. We, we got to have those kind of on-ground scouts like that. Yes. yes. Uh, places that I want to go back to. Um, I don't know about you. I've been there twice, two different locations. I've loved it both times. The first time I went when the men played in Sacramento on their way to the final four, uh, out just right outside the Kings arena is this barbecue joint called sauce. And then, uh, we went there, you and I, when we covered the cow game, I think in 2018, uh, I think we went there prior to the game or maybe it was the day before. I can't remember. And that was a different location, but it was still unbelievably good. I think that was Walnut Creek. Yes. It was the Walnut Creek one. Um, I want to go. Like I instantly saw the Stanford game and was like, Ooh, that it's a little bit of a drive because it's uh, over the hill from where we would be staying. Um, But I would assume we'd be staying there. Uh, But that's worth the drive. I think sauce was a really good spot from a barbecue's point. Um, the other one that I really liked was, uh, I think it was little piggy or mit or miss piggy barbecue in Phoenix. Um, do you remember that one where it's like literally in, Oh gosh. Yes. It was literally in like the, uh, um, like industrial part of Tempe and didn't really fit the mantra. And we, yeah, Little Miss Barbecue. Um, we sat in line for like two hours. <laughs> stood. We weren't sitting. We were standing. Yes, we, we stood in line for two hours and then proceeded to cover the next day a game in which they got the shit kicked out of them, which was not good. <laughs> uh, but I think the barbecue was awesome. Like, what, I mean, that. I like, still remember. I remember Matt coming back after that game was quite demoralizing and being like, "Hey, at least I've got some leftover brisket." And, <laughs> you know, like, like it kind of. It, I mean, it was still really disappointing. I think we recorded a podcast basically, and then we're like, oh, "We should just stop podcasting because I want to eat our brisket." <laughs> uh, but that place that, was great. That place, um, I actually go and whenever I go there, whether it's for. Family or because I got family in Arizona for that's for family or if it's family everywhere for work. Um, I always make sure to go to Little Miss Barbecue. Um, they have two locations. We go to the university one, which is in Phoenix. Um, and I actually buy their bottled barbecue sauce and it comes in a glass jar. And then I go to like a local FedEx and ship it to myself because you can't take it on the plane because we don't check our bags. Um, it's that it's that good of barbecue and barbecue sauce. And I'm not a sauce guy. I don't think you need sauce, but I love their sauce. So uh, if you're in the Phoenix area, Little Miss Barbecue, be prepared to wait a very long time. Uh, but it's very much worth it, in my opinion. Okay, so here's here, I actually have the scout on Salt Lake City because I don't I don't think you've covered a game. I've not covered Salt Lake City, so I am looking forward to okay exploring that. So this isn't barbecue, but there's a uh, is a Mexican restaurant called the Red Iguana. And I, I can't remember who. Ra- I think it was actually one of the Ute Zone uh, reporters. I can't remember which, if it was Steve Bartle or if it was uh, one of the others. But they recommended this spot, and it was just comp- it was I blew my mind. It, yeah, it was really good. So that's a spot I'd like to hit. Uh, not just not just for the food. The drinks were really really good. Get yourself a nice. Um, Maybe mezcal, uh, margarita, or something like that. I think I had that down there. But that that was that was a place to to give a. I just that when we looked at this, and I know you hadn't been to Salt Lake. I didn't think you had. That was a place a place that stood out. There were a couple other restaurants I tried um, while I was down there. Um, they had really nice food down there. I'm trying to think, Seattle. When we go up there, it's usually a day trip, so yeah. we don't. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of like because we've made that drive at least I don't know four to five times probably. Yeah. What what have what have we gone to eat there? Because I know Salt, I know Seattle's got some food, but I can't think of anything. And I kind of feel similarly about LA, but I think that's in part because. Well, it's all- I think the 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 nineteen game you and I drove up there. We also had our intern Ethan with us, and this is just I, I'm kind of sad to admit this. You you ditched us first of all. Uh, <laughs> I did. I had a friend I had, I had a friend I hadn't seen since his wedding. I felt like I had to go. So out. yeah, you went and hung out with your friends. I don't know what your food options were on that trip. We had some great Vietnamese food. Okay, I would have hated that. Um, 
Uh, so I'm happy that you went without me on that one. Ethan and I ended up going to a Red Robin. Um, not the best in terms of like, hey, let's explore something new that we can't get from in Eugene. True. Um, but always very good. solid. Red Robin, very solid. It's a, it's a very solid choice. Uh, and I think other times we've gone up there and every time it's like, hey, here's like a like Hawaiian food or something of that, like something quick and something easy that's filling that's not really like a sit down, really enjoy experience. I don't know why we've always, we've never really done that. Like anywhere else, it's always just Seattle. We just in and out real, real quick. Um, we'll have to figure that out. I know there's, I've been told there's some really good barbecue in the Seattle area. It's just Ooh. going away from the area we typically um, stay at. And, and when we, when we go up there, so that'll be interesting this year to, to kind of figure out um, we're not going to Pullman this year, but oh, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if, if this is like viewed as good, a good place. Uh, I just know that I was in Pullman. I made the one road trip this year outside of the state for football. Um, I was in Pullman for the football game and I went to pizza perfection downtown Pullman. Um, I don't know if, if it's considered good or not, or if I was just alone, sad and, and hungry <laughs> in a cold, wow. cold Pullman in, in, in November, <laughs> but I had it and it was really good. All right. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I was cold, alone and sad in Pullman. Wow, that sounds like a that's like yeah, that's that's not an ideal situation, Matt. I'm sorry. I, I, if if we didn't have the one person travel restrictions at that point, maybe the two of us would have been enjoying uh, less alone cold pizza in, in Pullman. Um, we uh, we get Los Angeles. And- you get well, actually, you mentioned Pullman, so I just wanted to know, like, if this was best press box food, Pullman has been has still has my favorite press box meal that we really? had. Yeah. Was it the 2018? Yeah, it was the 2018 game. Remember they had brisket and pulled pork sandwiches? Oh, it was really okay. Really- yeah, I, I do remember that one. This year's game was actually they had they had French dip sandwiches. They were catered in, which was pretty good. Yeah, they they, go, really they, they do pretty well though. Like I didn't really consider it. They made it there themselves because it was obvious they ordered from another restaurant and they just delivered it and brought it in. But I do remember those French the the the, the brisket sandwiches that they they had made there. That was pretty good. I still think USC's is the best. USC's. Oh, you're right. USC was really good this last time in 2019. That was a really good spot. There was there was a time, the 2012 season, I went. And back in 2012, I was on like a huge Diet Coke kick. So like if you know how I drink Diet Coke and, and, yeah. and if I'm telling you this was a huge Diet Coke kick, kick that tells you how much I was drinking. Um uh, USC had one of those humongous refrigerators completely stocked with just Diet Coke. Dangerous. And I I think I drank like six Diet Cokes throughout the course of a game. Now, it helped that Kenyon Barner was literally scoring a touchdown like every seventh time he touched the football, and they put up like 60 points against the Trojans. So the game – and USC had like 40. So the game was incredibly long, but – that that's always going to stand out in my mind. Um, but I'm excited to go to LA again because a it's going to be warm. Um, and do we tip? We typically go to like Manhattan Beach, right? For yeah, that's where we went. I was just thinking that's where we went last time for the USC road trip. We went down and had some fish tacos by the water. That was nice. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing I'll, that I'll say from the Rose Bowl, the 2020 Rose Bowl was, uh, and I. I wish I knew where these came from, but they had the very best like breakfast burritos I've yes. had at the press event on like, I don't know, like two days before the Rose bowl. Um, and it was just, Oh, I still, I still think about those really, really good. I don't, I, I wish I knew who the caterer was so we could give them credit. Um, so I but, don't count the Rose bowl because yeah. it's not a game that Oregon's in every year, but that is by far the, 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 the best place we'll go on a semi-regular basis. Cause I'm counting on Oregon being really good and getting to the Rose bowl a couple more times um but that that is up there that is absolutely up there well we'll be there this year right for ucla yes yes so we'll get we'll get we'll get to uh but i will say this when it was 2017 they did not have that they made us they made they just gave us a voucher to go and eat at just a regular concession in the rose bowl 
which was, I mean, we're sounding incredibly snotty here, but <laughs> we sound really snotty. Just, just, uh, how dare they give us the voucher? Bring us the bring us the prepared food. Uh, I, I like that we're closing this podcast with probably more strong opinions and thoughts on the <laughs> than of the games themselves. But hey, uh, that's what happens, man. And and that's part of that's part of the deal when we go on these road trips. Is the food is a big part of it. I mean, it's not that often that we get to go around the country uh, and, and try this type of food. And, and sometimes the spots are, re- I honestly, I can't think of a really underwhelming barbecue trip that we've had on a road trip. I don't I think, think we've ever had a, I don't think we've ever had a trip where even if it's barbecue or not, where we've been disappointed. I like, think. I, I think the worst we've ever had was maybe the 2019 trip at usc the night before because we landed late and i think we went we i couldn't find a place to go for food and it ended up just going to a bj's remember that and it was just a bad it was just bad service right we were yeah. in a weird spot with nothing really remotely close and so we went there um and we watched you or no way it wasn't the usc game because we watched utah beat usc it was, yeah it was that was the night before the stanford game that's right my recollection that's right. Yeah. Yeah, That's right. Oh, by the way, um, we'll end the show here. I earlier on the show said that maybe duck fans have lives and, and I'm not trying to be negative toward duck fan. I was wrong. Small sample size, but I threw up a Twitter poll about, would you go to the games three straight weeks against Montana, Portland state, Eastern Washington in the spring? 75% of duck fans said yes. Hey, so your idea actually has legs. Maybe we're onto something here, Rob. Get, get, let's uh, let's let's quote to you. Rob. I don't think Rob Mullins has a, a Twitter account, but let's yeah, just uh, do the GoDex app. Use the GoDex app and just. I mean, like, I I, I know it's probably it's. A, I'm sure there's a lot to sort out, and I'm sure they've had a lot of conversations about how to improve spring and whatnot. But just an idea. Play some of these local teams. You threw Eastern Washington, and I didn't have them before I had Montana State, but yeah. Portland State, Eastern Washington, and Montana. Like, play those three teams. Those are very, those are typically pretty darn competitive at their level schools, and they're all within driving distance to, I mean, Montana may be a long drive, but like all pretty close to Eugene. Play those teams, good for both programs. Um, I don't know, maybe the revenue split is probably somewhat problematic because you'd have to pay those schools to come out. Whereas when you're playing a spring game, you could just keep it all. But yeah, just a thought, just a thought. I mean, I think it's kind of cool, and it would be fun to just kind of get a better gauge for where the program is at in you know march april may as opposed to just kind of finding out in september all right that's gonna do it for us here on the odds and audibles podcast thank you for submitting your thoughts your questions uh especially the food ones it's making me realize how excited i am to potentially get back out on the road i'm sure eric as well um and until we talk to you later this week you've been listening to the odds and audibles podcast talk to you later folks